don't tell Rebecca because I don't know that I've had this conversation with her. And I get in trouble when you all start telling Rebecca things that I mentioned on the podcast that I haven't uh, talked to her about before. Diz Runs Radio, episode 869, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, 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 here we are. The end of another month, and that means that it's time for a little uh, You Ask, I Answer situation. The monthly listener Q&A episode is here. If you've been around for a while, you know how this works, uh, so bear with me as I explain it to those that are new to the show. Uh, this is a real simple process. At the end of each month, uh, I dedicate the last Friday's episode of each month to your questions. Uh, so you ask a question, whether it's running life or anything in between, and uh, I do my best. Well, I, I do answer it. I do my best to try to give it an answer that might actually be useful, valuable, beneficial in some form or fashion. And uh, that's what we've got going on today. I'm caffeinated up. I'm hydrated up. I'm fueled up, I think. So hopefully we can uh, get through this thing. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take. There's, I don't know, 20 questions, something like that. And uh, if you've been listening for a while, you know that 20 questions could be uh, an hour. could be like three hours. I don't know, but we're locked and loaded. And we're going to get get through it. Uh, if you want to get your questions answered on a future episode, a future Q&A episode, if you want to join in the, the shenanigans, as it were, come on over and uh, and say hi in the Facebook group. Dizruns.com slash Facebook is a link that will get you there. Somewhere, uh, well, not somewhere. A week and a half before this episode goes out on the, uh, the, the Wednesday of the week before, I put up a post, and the, the old Daily Diz post is, uh, you know, basically says, you ask a question, I'm going to answer it. What do you want to know for this uh, month's Q&A episode? You put your questions into the comments. Bada boom, bada bam, by the magic of technology, here we go. So come join the party, disruns.com slash Facebook, or the next time you're scrolling through Facebook mindlessly, trying to get away from some of the uh, the politics and uh, shenanigans and situations that are going on in the world. Some some serious situations. Don't, don't let me get that twisted. But uh, if you just want a, a reprieve, Come join the Facebook group, disruns.com slash Facebook. Search in the search bar for Disruns Tribe and uh, come on in and join the party. So let's get to it today, shall we? First question right off the top from uh, Chris Short asks, so how you doing? Like, I don't, I don't even know how to answer this question. How am I doing? You know, I mean, you know, sometimes good, sometimes not in the uh, the world that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, like how deep do you want to go here, Short? I feel like, you know, honestly, though, you know, in all seriousness, lots of, lots of folks are struggling for, for various reasons right now. I mean, shoot, we just had hurricanes blow through and uh, and cause some serious, serious damage uh, to folks in, uh, you know, west, not west Louisiana, east Texas. Let me get my geography straight uh, and continue on up through and, th- you know, through up into Arkansas and curving out eastward. Uh, causing problems. We, we don't have any of that here in, in central Florida. So we're, we're thankful about that. Um, you know, COVID stuff is not great all over the world. We've still, for the most part, I think been unscathed schools back in session. The girls are back in school. 
that seems to be going smoothly so far. So we're we're good there. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's it's life in 2020. It's not uh, not the greatest in the world. Uh, we have it better than a lot. So I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Thanks thanks for asking. Um, you know, just trying to take it one day at a time, like like the rest of us. Uh, and and uh, you know, fingers crossed, we'll get some for all of us. We'll get some greener pastures and some smoother sailing. Uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, thank you for asking, my friend, and hope that uh, you and yours and, and everybody listening, hope that, that y'all are doing as well as can be done right now. And, uh, you know, if you're struggling, don't don't struggle in private. You know, let it, let let me know. Let somebody know. Uh, if there's anything we can do to help, happy to do it. Next couple of questions, both from, uh, both from Rob. Uh, first one, how does nose breathing benefit runs? I came across info that it was more efficient and beneficial for heart rate training. Um, so, you know, this is one of those situations that, that first and foremost, I'm going to, I'm going to admit that when it comes to the breathing mechanics, I am not like the world's foremost expert ENT type of person. All right. I might know a few things. I might pretend I know some other things. Uh, this is one of those areas that like I can, I can sort of maybe speak to it a little bit. Um, but I'm definitely not like pretending to be the, the expert here. So how does no, how does nose breathing benefit running? Well, let's let's just look at kind of some of the mechanics of of breathing. Ten, typically, when you breathe through your nose, you're you're breathing a little bit deeper, a little bit slower breaths, breathing breathing deeper, definitely using the the diaphragm a bit more, we, especially when when in you know, when you're when you're working out, when you're when you're being active, if you're breathing through your mouth, it can be very easy to get into kind of that, those short, shallow, rapid breaths. Um, that you know sometimes that's just the nature of the beast because you're pushing it hard. But you know when you're kind of running at that at that easy to, to moderate level, um, you can kind of get a little hyperventilating. Hyperventilating, yeah, close enough. Um, when you're breathing through your mouth, so if you're just breathing through your nose, you're tending to to get a little bit deeper breaths, which uh, you know not for nothing, kind of good delivering delivering oxygen to the lungs, which then helps deliver it to the uh, you know to, to the rest of the body to your muscles um, by getting that depth that that depth of breath. It just helps for oxygen. Uh, or gas exchange in the in the lungs between the uh, CO2 coming out, the oxygen going in. Um, so it can be a little bit more beneficial there. Where it's, I think, maybe even more beneficial... Well, well hold on. Time out. Missing, missing the... Uh, burying the lead here. Um, the, the other reason that it's, it's a good habit, if you can do it, to breathe through your nose, is just that our noses are made to filter the air. You know, so uh, when you've got little particulates and things like that in the air that uh, obviously the folks in California right now are dealing with, you know, another, another area... Or just even out west, I know uh, Utah, uh, Colorado, like lots of, lots of places are on fire out west right now. Um, so the air quality isn't always great, and you know some of those times when it's still safe. But if you can breathe through your nose, that just helps to filter out some of those particulates and things in the air that breathing through your mouth it just doesn't doesn't do. So there's there's that just as far as cleaning the air that breathing through your your nose is beneficial. But now getting into uh, the heart rate side of things. It kind of is related to what I was saying about deeper breaths, uh, more diaphragmatic breathing when you're breathing through your nose versus the the shallower, more likely to be shallower, rapid breaths when you're breathing through your mouth. Um, those deeper breaths can kind of help to, to keep your heart rate from going too crazy. When you start to, to do those short, rapid breaths, it kind of starts to trigger uh, or can work in relation with some of the, the fight or flight type of situations, which is going to increase your heart rate. And, you know, when your heart rate training... Uh, it's, it's sometimes hard enough to keep your heart rate where you want it to be, uh, as you're running anyway. And if you're kind of tilting the odds against your favor by breathing rapidly and, and, you know, borderline hyperventilating, um, it's going to increase your heart rate, 
which, you know, then is going to mean more walking and, and slowing down and things like that, which most of us that do heart rate training try to, you know, keep our, keep running while also keeping our heart rates down. So, you know, if you can, if you can control your breath a little bit more, uh, breathing in your nose and out your mouth, um, that can be a way to maybe not prevent your heart rate from getting up too high, but at least not speed up the process of your heart rate getting up too high. If that Hopefully it makes a little bit of sense, Rob. Uh, your next question, uh, can hit training, so high-intensity interval training, for those that aren't familiar with the vernacular, uh, this is more of a strength training type of cross-training type of thing, can hit training benefit running? In terms of heart rate training, is it categorized as an occasional hard run or workout? So, yeah, absolutely, hit training can benefit running. I mean, uh, how often do I talk about strength training? It's just a variation on strength training, right? It's kind of a different way of, of getting after it, doing a bunch of, of high-intensity stuff, kind of usually you know, typically one exercise into the next, into the next, into the next. So the heart rate comes up, you're working hard. Uh, you're getting some of that strength, some, some explosiveness sometimes, hopefully sometimes, uh, generating power. All those things are good for us as runners, because when we're running, we are propelling ourselves forward, right? And so the, the stronger that the hips and the glutes and the calves and the, the, the different muscle systems are, the more power they're able to generate, the more we're able to pro- propel ourselves forward, the faster we're able to be, uh, the more efficient we can be, things like that. So it's absolutely beneficial. That said, when you're when you're heart rate training, there's no question that, that you have to look at you know the the potential impact of a good, especially if it's a long hit type of, of workout, uh, and what that may do to your heart rate. Now, um, I, I'm I'm still my my jury's still out when it comes to kind of where I, I sit on you know strength training and, and heart rate training. Uh, the, the the true purists, you know, the maffetones and and things like that would say, you know, really, you don't want to do too much. Maybe do like he talks about like the slow strength training where you're doing, you know, a a set here, a set there kind of spread out throughout the day. So you're never really stressing your body that much, which is why, you know, part of the the science and the the theory behind heart rate training is that you never, you rarely don't want to say never, you rarely want to stress your body beyond the aerobic level. Um, That said, I mean, there's, there's something to be said about doing some good strength training. So I think that it's, it's good to do once in a while. Um, I would definitely categorize it as a hard workout. Um, you know, whether you want to call it a hard run, whatever. I mean, you know, you start to get to where you're splitting hairs here, but you know, I, I think that, that if you're getting a good hard hit session, like, yeah, I mean, you're going to be sore afterwards, right? If you're doing it right. So, you know, that's, that kind of screams hard workout to me. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to try to stack up a bunch of, of hit and then speed workout and hit. And then like, that's like four hard workouts in a row. So, you know, maybe if you're having a really good hit session, like, yeah, that, that probably is going to count as a hard run, uh, or it certainly is a hard workout. I mean, there's no denying that. So, you know, how exactly you want to categorize it is kind of up to you. Uh, my general philosophy when it comes to heart rate training, as I've talked about many times is to err on the side of easier most of the time. So, you know, whether I'm a hundred percent heart rate, 95%, 98%, whatever, um, I tend to keep my heart, my, my strength training. Um, I do it. I try to get one halfway decent strength training session, uh, like by halfway decent. I mean like kind of not necessarily hit training, but kind of borderline, you know, some type of circuit, some type of something where I really get good glutes and, and, uh, legs and, and hips, uh, work in that, that area. Um, and then the rest of my strength training kind of does mirror more of the, the slow strength training where I'm doing some pull-ups, some push-ups, but I'm spreading them out throughout the day instead of like one big set, things like that. Um, but at the end of the day, doing it is a good thing. Doing it is a good thing. Um, be smart. Don't overload things like that. Um, but it's kind of hard to, this is one of those that's, that I could talk myself into a circle for a whole nother hour. And I don't know that it would make any more sense than what, what I've already said. And I don't know that even what I've said 
makes any sense. But hopefully it helps a little bit, Rob. Uh, thank you for a couple of technical questions. I like some technical questions once in a while, even though sometimes it's hard to really generalize the answer to a technical question. But hopefully those two uh, answers made a little bit of sense. Thank you, my friend. Next question comes from Jamie. She asks, uh, here's a question. One summer when I was running, uh, when I was running more, I had some blood work done and was low in sodium to the point that I would have, you know, pain in my arms and legs. Uh, I'm assuming probably after every run, maybe all the time. I don't know. Uh, so I upped my salt a bit and drank more noon and or some type of sports drink or salt tabs. Now, several years later, I put some type of electrolytes in my handheld every time I run in the summer. So the question is, how much is too much? Am I overdoing it? Uh, I'm still having some issues at uh, acclimating and I run about 16 to 20 miles a week. Granted, I live in Oklahoma and we've had some days upwards of 108 to 111 uh, degrees Fahrenheit on the heat index. Uh, and I coach a half training plan for beginners at 6 p.m., which is also kind of, you know, one of the hottest parts of the day. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of getting, reading into the question there. Um, Jamie asks, uh, you know, the, the short and sweet version, how much is too much when it comes to, to adding electrolytes and salts and things like that into my, into my water bottles and am I overdoing it? Um, you know, it, it's, it's, that's another one of those tricky, tricky type of questions, Jamie, because it's, it's going to vary so much from one person to the next. Um, you know, it, it, when it, when it comes to how much salt we need to re- replace, uh, in, into our systems, I mean, obviously we need to do some for, for some runs. Do you need it every run? I maybe, maybe not. Um, it, again, it's going to depend on the person, how much you're sweating, what time of day you're going, uh, how salty of a sweater are you? So some folks just naturally tend to, to lose more of their sodium, their potassium, things like that, more of the salts. Uh, they, they just lose more when they sweat. Some people, their, their sweat is, you're still losing some, but not, not as much. How do you know? I mean, you know, I guess suppose you could like take it to the lab and get it all analyzed. Right. But like who has time for that type of stuff? Um, but it sounds like for you that you were definitely, especially in, in the past, you know, sweating out a lot of salts. I'm, I'm assuming that probably hasn't changed. So you're still sweating out a lot of salts. So it's going to be important for you to maybe replace more than it is for other folks. My advice to you, and it doesn't really answer either of your questions, but my advice to you is to try to make sure that you're maybe getting more salts in sporadically throughout the day, as opposed to only relying on your water bottle. That said, nothing wrong with relying on, relying on your water bottle. I put salt in my water every day, all the time. Anytime I fill up my water bottle, I get a dash of sea salt as well. You know, it, whether I'm going for a run or not, like my, the water that's on my desk right now that I drank before I started recording this has, has some salt in it. Okay. Because I'm, I'm just always trying to make sure I'm putting a little bit back in never flooding my system. You know, I don't really do any Gatorades or things like that, except for a little bit on race day. Um, but I'm not taking like electrolyte replacement type of of drinks or pills or tablets or anything like that. I'm just trying to make sure I've got a little bit of salt in my water every day that, you know, when it comes to dinner, I put a little bit of salt on, on the foods that I'm eating on a regular basis. Um, so just try to make sure that I'm replacing just as part of my, my regular routine. I will have, I, I will admit that I have noticed that if I don't put very much salt in my water bottles, when I go for my long runs in the summertime, that I do have some, some headaches and, and issues the rest of the day versus if I, if I salt those a little heavier, I tend to be smooth sailing the rest of the day, as far as how I'm feeling headaches, things like that. So there's, there's an example of kind of trial and error, right? Like, like, you know, if I just put the, the regular kind of dash amount that I would normally put in my water bottle, eh, doesn't seem to help. But in the summertime, Hot as blazes out here. And I'm not a salty sweater, but it's hot as blazes and it's humid and it's Florida. You know, I mean, it's the same, not, thankfully, not quite as bad as 108 to 111 heat index like you're dealing with in, in Oklahoma. But, you know, at a certain point, hot is hot and we're sweating like crazy when we're out there for an hour or two hours, whatever the case might be, three hours sometimes, whatever. Um, so, I'm, you know, even though I'm not losing a lot as far as just sweating a little bit, but I'm sweating a lot on those days. 
So I need to, I've learned, I need to, you know, supplement that a little bit heavier. Could I go with a, a electrolyte something or taking a pill? I'm sh- sure I could. For me, just, you know, a couple of dashes of salt instead of one, bada boom, bada bam. Yeah, it tastes a little bit saltier, but whatever. I put some vitamin C in there, uh, just like dissolved crystals of vitamin C into my water bottle as well. Kind of makes it taste a little bit like uh, something like a, a lemon, lemonade, something, not lemonade, but like a lemon lime, something or another. Uh, gives it a little, a little tartness, covers up the salt a little bit. I'm good to go. So all that to say, how much is too much? I mean, I, I don't know. You know, like, like if, if you're getting to the point where you're um, still kind of having some of that soreness and some of those, those issues that maybe you don't, you know, you definitely know that you don't have when it's not as hot. It's kind of says to me that, that you might need a little bit more salt. Again, does that come all the time just in your, in your handheld? It's not going to hurt. But maybe, you know, have a little bit more in the morning. If you know you've got to coach uh, your training group later that night, have a little bit more throughout the day so that, you know, when you, when you get out there and you're running and you're, and you're coaching and stuff in the afternoon um, or in the evening when it's hot and you know you're going to be sweaty and you're losing a lot, you, you've already started with a full tank is I guess what I'm trying to say. Instead of running the, the half tank and then lowering that and trying to replace, like start the tank full. Uh, and see if that helps. So um, I wouldn't say you're overdoing it. I mean, our bodies have a have a great way of processing all that 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 extra salt out if we are taking in too much. Um, it sounds like you're not, but also look at look at your your regular diet. Are you eating a bunch of fresh foods and things like that? Well, even more reason you might need to supplement some some salt. If it's a bunch of more kind of processed and things like that, those tend to have enough salt that you're good to go uh, without adding too much. But it, again, it doesn't sound like that's the case. So it sounds like you know you might need to add a little bit more. Um, as long as you're drinking, drinking plenty of fluids, staying hydrated, adding some salt here and there, um, I wouldn't worry about having too much unless you have some type of medical condition that would already, you know, would be underlying, um, that we need to be worried about that where you're limiting your sodium intake. If that doesn't apply, then you're probably okay, uh, to, to up it a little bit more until you're not really feeling the symptoms. All right. But that's, this is uh, couch potato advice, not specific medical advice. So, you know, may want to, uh, you know, especially if you're, if you're not sure, consult somebody who uh, knows you a little bit more, uh, has a few other letters after their name uh, that might be able to look into your specific situation. But I would say, you know, for me, just trial and error, figure out what's the right amount and then, uh, you know, keep adjusting as you need. So hopefully that, that helps Jamie kind of, again, I'm talking to myself, y'all are asking good questions. They're just a little bit, uh, a little bit specific. So I'm kind of talking to myself in, in, uh, some circles here. Um, but here we go. Got, got a handful of questions, literally a handful of questions coming from Mona. And uh, at least a couple of these are a little bit more of uh, the, uh, the laid back easy ones that I can just have fun with, uh, and not have to worry about trying to give too technical of advice. So, uh, Jamie, thank you for the question. Mona, thank you for this, this block here. Uh, first one, what are the things that you might have said to yourself that have worked, like really worked, when you're struggling in your run? Uh, mantras that you've worked, that, have, that you have passed on, easy to remember, things like that that don't uh, require a lot of memory to memorize a quote. Uh, it's just something simple that comes off the tongue. Uh, so, you know, we've talked with various, various folks uh, over the years about mantras and the value of having uh, a couple of different mantras. I know Andy Farina comes to mind as far as somebody who's like, yeah, you know, have two or three or four different mantras that you can go to that, you know, especially for the longer races where, you know, maybe one starts to lose its lose its uh, appeal a little bit. Bam, you switch over to something different, maybe something that's more funny, something that's more lighthearted, uh, something that maybe reminds you of something you've accomplished before, and that can, can kind of do the trick to push you forward. So what, what works for me? Well, my go-to mantra for gosh, the last couple, three years has been just take the next step, which, uh, which I use it obviously in my running, but I use it outside of that as well. Just like, keep going, 
keep going. The step that got you here was great. It was important, but boy, the next one, that's the one that matters most. Now we got to keep that forward momentum going. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's an easy one. It's four words. Uh, but I've, I've, I've taken it to the next level of making sure I don't forget it by, by getting a reminder printed on my arm. Uh, you know, it's, it's permanent. It's there for there forever. Um, which is, which is obviously talking about the tattoo I've got. Uh, it's on my forearm. I can look at it anytime I, I, you know, when I'm working, like right now I can, I look at it, um, you know, day to day, look at it when I'm running. I certainly have used it in some training runs, uh, as, as just a reminder when things aren't going great or on race day, when things haven't gone as smooth as I'd hoped, just look down. All right, next step, next step, next step, keep taking the next step. And pretty soon, you know, you, you kind of get out of the, the slump or you get to the end or whatever. Uh, so that's been one that's really helped kind of worked for me. Um, you know, spoiler alert, the, don't tell Rebecca because I don't know that I've had this conversation with her. And I get in trouble when you all start telling Rebecca things that I mentioned on the podcast that I haven't uh, talked to her about before. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the next tattoo, whenever that, that comes, and there's no, no breaking news on that one, um, but, but maybe another type of mantra that uh, kind of goes back to uh, some of my college days. Uh, but it's a, I think it's a Greek, either Greek or Latin. I don't know. I mean, it's just a tomato, tomato, right? Um, but the phrase kale patakala, which translates means not without labor. N-A-U-G-H-T. So nothing, you know, is, is kind of the, uh, uh, less of an old English translation, uh, but nothing without labor just kind of reminds you that, you know, you gotta, you gotta work for what you want. So, uh, and it's a, it's a definitely a Greek, uh, fraternity, uh, motto, uh, from the, the organization that I was in when I was in college. And, uh, you know, that, that one's just one that, that speaks to me as far as like, you know, sometimes on the days you don't want to, Sometimes on the days that, uh, you know, you, it's, it's the weather sucks, um, but still, hopefully it's still safe outside, but just, you know, it's just, it's cold or it's hot or it's windy or whatever. You don't, you have, you have all the excuses, just that, that little reminder, All right, Not without labor, you know, Kalei Patakala got like the goals I want. They're going to require me to work for them, re- require me to do, to put the effort in. So if I, if I'm going to get the reward, got to do the labor, got to do the work, got to, got to put in the effort. So that's, that's another maybe mantra that might work for you. Um, I do think, I, I believe, and I feel like I've heard this from other folks that are big into mantras, um, that it really has to be something personal. So just because those are what works for me, don't just feel like, oh, that it works for him. Let me try it. Like, no, 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 no. Uh, find something that's, that's personal. Like if, if those things are personal, if, they, if you can put a personal meaning to them, great. But you know, you, you really need to have something that's, that's simple. Uh, like, like you said in your question, Mona, something that, that's simple, easy to remember. Um, but it, I think it needs to be personal. It needs to be something that, that really has meaning to you and whether it has meaning to anybody else or not is, is irrelevant. If it has meaning to you, it's going to help you. Uh, and, and it can help you get through some of those tough runs, uh, tough workouts, things like that. So uh, great question though. Thank you for asking. Hopefully it helps you to kind of get your, get your gears turning a little bit and come up with a good mantra for yourself. Uh, Mona's next question. How long should you give a coach a training plan before deciding or declaring that it's, uh, whether or not it's working for you? Um, okay. I feel like there's two different answers here. All right. So, so for the, the coach side of things, since I am a coach, I could speak from that a little bit. Um, you definitely, you know, like, like there's a feeling out process, you know, every time I get a new athlete that I'm working with, you know, there's a little bit of time where we're kind of figuring out, all right, what, what communication style is best. What's, what's their, their preferences. Uh, how do I work? And kind of, you know, if I have to adjust my system for them a little bit, if they have to adjust a little bit for my system a little bit, um, whatever the case might be. But, but when it comes to working with a coach, I mean, I don't think it should be that long. 
right? Like, like it depends on, on some of the, the, the specifics of the coaching relationship and how things work. All right. So everybody's gonna have a little different system as far as communication. And, and, you know, for me, there's different levels. So, you know, the different levels get more communication for me and more access. So, you know, we can obviously work, work a bit uh, quicker in the process at the, at the higher levels where there's more communication going back and forth. And there's no reason that it should take us very long to get on the same page. Um, but you, you know, you got to make sure you have enough time to get on the same page. Then I feel like, maybe this almost even goes farther back to before you get started with a coach, you know, making sure that you just kind of have a, a personality that might jive a little bit, asking some questions, getting some feedback, maybe talking to some other athletes that the, that the coach works with to kind of get a feeling like, like, is, is the coach really hands off? Are they really hands on? Are they, you know, a whip cracker? Are they a, a bat packer? Um, you know, like bat packer, a bat, a back patter. What I was trying to say, you know, sometimes, sometimes those words just get the best of me. Um, but you know, are they, are they, are they the cheerleader or are they, they the, the butt chewer? Um, like kind of what's their, their style. And hopefully you know that before you decide to sign up with them. So you at least know our, our personality is going to get along, you know, spoiler alert. That's a big part of the podcast is to give you guys that are listening to the show a chance to get to know me. Some of you could maybe know me a little too well at this point, but that's neither here nor there. But, but you know, some of you know, Hey, I love the podcast, but he would not be the right coach for me. Whew, great. That's awesome. You know, you, you've, you've established that, um, we can continue to have a relationship on social media. Uh, you know, we can chat a little bit. Maybe you're on the show at some point, you listen to the show, you enjoy the, sh- the show, you tell others about the show, but for one reason or another, you've just determined that I'm not the right fit for you. Awesome. There's only several thousand other running coaches out there. A lot of them are really good, you know, and, and if, if they find a better fit for you, great. Some of you have listened to the show for years and you're like, yep, I like this guy. I, I believe with what he's saying. Uh, I think, I think our personalities work together and we get started and, and we're good to go because we, we already have that, that there's a little bit of, of familiarity, right? We, we kind of have that uh, understanding. So all that to say, I don't think you should give the coach that long to decide if the personalities are right. Hopefully you've done a lot of that homework beforehand, but once you get going, I mean, you know, figure out if, you know, like do the personalities jive, what works well, um, and good to go. The plan side of things that, that may be making a change to your training plan yourself, or maybe you're working with a coach, but there's, there's a big change in, in kind of how you're working. You got to give that a little bit of time. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's a time frame. It's not like it's, it's two weeks or two months or two years. It's probably somewhere between two weeks and two years. Um, but you got to give those changes time to, to actually set into place. And it's something I talked about a while back on, on a quick tip episode. I, I, can't remember the numbers offhand, but I know I have it linked in the show notes for today. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to that one, uh, once again, disruns.com slash eight, six, nine, but you know, it, you need to give changes a while to take place. I mean, you know, just from, from my own, ex- my own example, which is the, like, you know, the best examples I can give are ones that I know firsthand. You know, when I made the change to heart rate training, it took, I mean, honestly, like, like I've been doing it for, for over two and a half years now to be three years in December. Um, I feel like only maybe in the last eight months. So basically this year took, took all of two years to be like, yes, this is really legit working. Like there were signs, there were glimmers, but like the payoff has only really just in the last, basically in this year really seemed to be there. Okay. Now, would I have stuck with it for two years without a single glimmer of hope? Probably not. But to expect like this huge benefit from a new training style, doing something different in two weeks, four weeks, like that's probably unrealistic. So you got to give things enough time. You know, I, I say, uh, you know, if I, if I really had to just be general here, like, like three, four months, something like that 
to, to allow your body to change, to allow you to kind of settle into the new routine. Um, and hopefully, you know, really see those, those benefits pay off. But sometimes you might barely get just a, a peak in three or four, four weeks. Not like a peak, like you reach the pinnacle, like a peak of like, oh, maybe there's a little bit of a, be- of a benefit here. And if you, if you decide to change course at that point, not that the work you've done has been useless because it's still beneficial. You're still training. You're still, you're still building fitness, things like that. But now if you go from like a heart rate to a different style of training, you know, this more whatever, uh, kind of more quote unquote standard style of training, right? More of an 80, 20 or something like that. You know, it still paid off, but if you would have stuck with it longer, maybe you'd see more of a benefit. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I think that at the end of the day is if, if you still believe that it's going to, that it's working or that, that you're seeing some signs, you know, keep continuing to stick with it is good. But, but once you're mentally like, yeah, this isn't working, like maybe that's when it's time to change because, um, you know, if you've kind of decided in your mind, it's not going to change, then you're, you're going to stop looking for and seeing those little glimmers, those little hints, those little signs of progress. And at that point you're like, Oh, this sucks. Like it doesn't doesn't work. Why bother? At that point, I mean, you know, change it up, find something that, that might work better for you. Not that what you're doing maybe isn't working, but it's not working for you. So change it up, change it up. But, but it's tough to give a time frame. Uh, but I would give a change in workout philosophy longer to, to adapt because that's got to, you know, that's got to happen at the, at the body level uh, versus, you know, working with a new coach. Like you can, you can usually tell even maybe before you get started with a coach that, Hey, this isn't a good vibe. This isn't a good, you know, the, the expectations I have, the expectations he or she has, they're not lining up. Hey, let's, let's not even start, you know? Um, and that's a lot easier to make that change before you start than once you get going. And, um, sometimes that can be a little bit tricky, but, uh, hopefully all that helps a little bit. Number three question from Mona, does the type of socks make a difference in your run? No, no, no. Um, no with a caveat. Let me, let me say that. No with a caveat. No in that, you know, I mean, whatever you like sock, like not that socks are socks, but like, if, if you don't feel like there's any difference between, you know, a, a cotton pair of socks and, um, and you, you get in the, the three packet target for like $8 versus, you know, like a, a, a nice pair of like exoskin socks that you get for, you know, 20 bucks a pair. If they feel the exact same to you, then, then rock on. Um, to me, it's all about comfort when it comes to socks. If your socks are comfortable, you're good to go. Whatever kind it is, whatever style it is, whether it's toe socks, whether it's, uh, you know, mid calf, all, you know, compression socks all the way up to your knee. Uh, you know, no, you know, those invisible socks that like come down below, like the edge of the shoe, even, um, as long as your foot ankle area region is comfortable, that's what matters for me. I like, I've kind of come to enjoy a little bit, uh, fancier kind of hoity toity type of socks. I'm a big fan of the exoskin socks. I've got some feature socks that I've worn before that I'm, that I enjoy. Got some, uh, got a pair of Benjinji socks somewhere that I lost. I don't know where the heck they are, but I keep looking for them. Hope to find them one day. Uh, those are good socks. Um, and I've just kind of come to decide that like, I would rather spend a little bit more on a pair of socks that hopefully keeps my feet happy, uh, helps to, to keep, you know, blisters from happening. Um, because once your feet start to go sideways, you know, during a run, you get blister, the sock bunches up a little bit, whatever they get wet and they don't kind of dis, you know, like I like having a little tech type of sock now so that if I go through a puddle or if I'm out on the trail, the, the, the feet get wet, but it doesn't like hold the water and get all squishy. Um, you know, the feet not barking at me, that makes my run go better. So it's worth it for me to spend a little bit more on the socks. If you don't see the difference, then no, I mean, the type of socks doesn't really matter. Uh, Fourth question from Mona, summer or winter? This seems like it should be an easy question, but there's a layer here. What, what kind of winter are we talking about? Are we talking about proper winter, snow, 
ice, boots, galoshes, the whole nine yards, I'll take summer all day, every day. I'll take even Florida summer over that, which, you know, not for nothing is why I live in Florida now as opposed to, to staying back in the homeland of Michigan. We're talking about Florida winter, which to most of you is not winter, but to the Floridians down here, the, the, uh, the, uh, the soft the soft folk that live down here that anytime it gets below below like 50 degrees, put on the, the scarf, get the gloves out, put the parkas on, wear the, wear the long pants and the boots. Uh, meanwhile, I'm like, oh, sweet. I can wear like a, a tech shirt, like a long sleeve tech shirt, shorts and flip flops and be totally comfortable. Um, I'll take that over Florida summer any day, obviously, obviously, but a proper winter, not so much, my friends. I, uh, I appreciate being able to wear flip flops year round um, enough to put up with the summer. The, the 10 months a year summer, those two months in Florida are legit. So I don't know, whatever you want to call it, depending on what your de- definition of winter is, whether I like the winter or the summer more. Uh, last but not least, how often should one wash their hair after a run? I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't, <laughs> here's a, here's a, here's a, a, a stat for me that you didn't want to know, but you asked the question, Mona. So you, uh, you know, you get what you reap, what you sow. Um, I haven't washed my hair with shampoo in like three years, two, I don't even remember. It's been two, three, four years, something like that. Um, rinse it, uh, some, every once in a while, you know, kind of get a little, little bar soap on my hands and just kind of massage the scalp that way. Um, but I haven't used, used shampoo in a long time. So I guess the answer to your question is how often should one wash their hair after running? Like never, I don't know, you know, rinse it off a little bit, maybe just splash in the pool. Um, but as far as like using shampoo, eh, overrated. Next question. Thank you for the questions, though, Mona. Appreciate appreciate the uh, the block of questions this month, as as always. Uh, next question comes from Eric. This summer, the humidity seems to have made it hard for me to run. Even with temps in the 80s, I felt sluggish and have had to walk to keep my heart rate from going out of control. Not heart rate training, but just you know into like the red zone. Uh, the humidity here has been higher than normal for summer. Are there any tips to help me adapt better? Last summer was hotter, but less humid, and I didn't have this much of a struggle. Uh, Eric, man, I, I wish I could give you uh, some magic hack that, uh, you know, if you just do this, all your humidity woes will be, uh, will be, you know, a thing of the past. I'm still, I'm still waiting for this, whatever this is. Like, I, I don't, I mean, there's nothing you can do. The humidity is just brutal. It's, it sucks out of you. And, and what, what it does, of course, you know, or maybe not, of course, I don't know. Here's a, here's a little uh, biology lesson, but you know, the, re- the reason that we sweat is to cool ourselves, right? So we sweat, we get the perspiration on our skin, the, the perspiration evaporates, which, which the way, you know, the, the process of that happening, the energy transfer of changing the liquid molecules into, into gas molecules actually, you know, I don't want to say it sucks the, the heat out of us, but it, it uses our body heat to make that energy transfer. And, and that's how we cool ourselves physicists and, and, uh, exercise physiologists and stuff. I know that's a little bit sloppy, but it, it, it gets to the point, right? So it's to save your, your, uh, it may be not so much physicists, but the physiologists, the kinesiologists, uh, you know, I, I know it's not perfect, but that's, that explains the situation. Um, anyway, for that, that body heat to evaporate when it's very humid out, we have, it, it takes more energy to, to evaporate because the air has got a bunch of humidity to it. So it doesn't evaporate as quickly, uh, because the air is already saturated. That's why long, long winded way of getting there. That's why the humidity is such a bear as opposed to the heat, because our bodies just struggle that much more to cool ourselves because we're sweating. We're perspiring. We're, we're trying to set the table for this, this natural air conditioning system that, that has worked for, you know, thousands or millennia of years, depending on your belief system. It, it's, it works. It works. But not when it's humid because it 
doesn't evaporate as quickly. So our bodies tend to overheat more, which is why the heart rate gets up, which is why you're sluggish, which is why you're struggling more so when it's less hot and more humid than when it's more hot and less humid. So, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do. Keep, keep training. Your body will adapt. And when the, when the temperature does break, finally, you're going to see a huge leap forward because all of a sudden, you know, when the humidity drops, the temperature cools down a bit, your body's like, man, we're used to this hot, humid thing where, where it never cools or, or our system never cools itself. Now it's cooler. So we're already not running hot to begin with. Plus the humidity is down a little bit. So when we do sweat, it actually does what we're asking it to do. It does cool our bodies. Bada boom, bada bam, you'll be good to go in the fall. So, you know, I, I know that that's, that's can be a tough pill to swallow and it's, it's tough to, to do. Uh, it's tough to sometimes believe, but I'll tell you what, every year, every year, I know it's going to happen. I still can't always believe it's going to happen, but when it does happen, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing when that weather changes and the body doesn't have to work so hard to cool itself. So, uh, you know, like I said, there's no tips to help you avoid the humidity. I mean, running that run inside, I guess, <laughs> which would be worse to me than running outside, but you know, get on the treadmill, run at the indoor track. Um, I, you know, that has air conditioning, I guess that would help. Uh, but for me, that would be that that's more painful than dealing with the humidity. So, uh, good luck, Eric, keep, keep, keep pushing through. And, uh, hopefully I think odds are you'll get the break in the, in the weather before I do over in Kansas. I know it gets hot and, and gross in Kansas in the summertime, but fall from what I hear fall in Kansas is not a bad place to be. And uh, fall in Kansas happens a whole lot quicker than fall in Florida. That is for sure. So uh, good luck. Keep grinding. Hopefully uh, the weather changes for you soon. Uh, next batch of questions, three in a row from uh, from from New York, from Tom. Uh, the first one, one of my 2020 goals that I can still accomplish is to work on my ankle strength. Whoop. I'm actually reading these out of line, but that's all right. Uh, work on my ankle strength and stability. I could hardly do any reverse lunges back in January, and now I can do three sets of 20 every day. Can you re- recommend some other home exercises for ankle strength and stability? Absolutely, I can, Tom. And, and these aren't complicated. These are pretty simple ones, really, when you, when you stop and break it down. Um, walking around barefoot in the house is a great way to build some strength and stability, not only just in your ankle, but certainly in your feet. And let's not kid ourselves. Our feet muscles and our ankle st- stability and strength, those go hand in hand. So by, by strengthening the little muscles in your feet, making them work, uh, when you're, when you're walking around the house, going barefoot, uh, can be, can be a huge boost to that. Uh, just doing single leg balance stuff. You know, I've, I've said before a few times, you know, work on your balance while you're brushing your teeth, you know, do 30 seconds on one foot, 30 seconds on the other foot, repeat. There's two minutes. You've brushed your teeth. Well, did your mouthwash, did your flossing, all that kind of good stuff while working on your balance at the same time. Uh, standing at the stove, you can work on your balance. Just standing on one foot, you know, waiting for the tea kettle to, to, to boil or stirring the pot or whatever you're doing. Uh, you know, working both sides, of course. You'll probably find that one side is more stable than the other. Totally natural. Work on them both. Still work on them both. Uh, but working on, on your balance, which is great for your ankles, your knees, your hips. Uh, just basically just making you more stable when you run, which is, which is an important thing. Um, when you're ready to take it to the next level, and this is tough. This is hard. Something that I should be working more on than I, than I do, um, and something that hopefully I'll start to, to incorporate in the mix a little bit more, but doing single leg toe raises without using anything for stability. So typically, well, I'll do my toe raise. I do them single leg, like no big deal, right? But I'm like touching the wall. I'm touching the counter. I'm touching something to help me keep my balance so I can really you know, focus on raising all the way up on my toe, lowering down nice and, and slow and steady. Do that without touching anything, and you'll see that... Uh, at least I will see. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're already there. Uh, but for me, I'm wobbly as, as can be, and there's no way that I'm going all the way up on the ball of my foot like I can when, I'm, when I've got something to just make my balance do its own thing. Start doing those. 
Start doing those. Um, still mix in the balance stuff, but you want to kind of build that strength stability combo. Nothing better than than doing toe raises on one leg without using anything for support, anything for balance. You will, uh, again, I, I don't want to say you will. I'm humbled every time I try to do it. I'm, I'm like, wow, this is way harder than I feel like it should be. Um, and so there's, there's a great exercise, you know, do those, you know, start with whatever, 10, <laughs> five, whatever you can do and just kind of build up as you go. Um, you know, whether you do three sets of 20 every day, like that to me, that's a little overkill, even with your lunges, you know, doing that stuff. Although I guess I do the lunge matrix every day. So maybe I'm not one to, to say that it's overkill. Um, but just build on it, build on it to where you're able to do, you know, three sets of 10, three sets of 20, things like that. Um, and you'll definitely notice a difference in your strength and stability and it will definitely play, you know, uh, improve your running as well. Certainly. Uh, next question from Tom. While I am a solid citizen of Garmintown, I've yet to join Strava. What are the benefits and drawbacks of Strava? I mean, there aren't, there, I don't know. Like you want truth talk here, Tom. I wouldn't ever look at Garmin connect Strava map. My, I would look at none of those if I wasn't a, if I wasn't a coach. Like, I don't, I, I, whatever. I mean, I guess I would maybe like log into my Garmin connect or, or whatever Strava, whatever, uh, you know, system I'm using device I'm using like every so often just to see the, the workouts or if like, like when I do my math tests, I, you know, I look back to the last one, the month before or the month before that to kind of compare the trends. Um, but like, I don't know. I mean, what's, what's the benefit of, of Garmin connect? Like, I, I don't know, you know, like, like whatever. Um, that said, you know, joining Strava, like, I don't, there's no drawbacks to joining Strava. Like it's free. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's a paid plan, but it's free. You can get a free plan. Um, you can sync your, your Garmin data to Strava and it just uploads the same data to, to Strava. Uh, Strava is more of a social media network, I guess. I guess the, the benefit of Strava, if you really wanted to, to say what a benefit is, is that you don't have to be just Garmin to use it. So like now that I have a Coros watch, like I don't, none of my runs go to Garmin anymore. Um, they all go to Strava, but when I had my Garmin watch, they went to Garmin and they went to Strava. So you, you're able to connect with more people as, as a coach. That's helpful because, um, no matter what type of watch somebody's using, if they, if they link their, their data to Strava, I can see it there as opposed to having to go to six different sites or things like that. Um, or having to have certain memberships to see things. I can, I can see it all on Strava. So that's kind of a benefit, I guess, but like, you know, I mean, there's no real benefit to either of them really. Um, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what, uh, I guess I'm not really selling Strava very well, but I mean, you know, if you want to see my runs now, you have to go to Strava, I guess, cause I'm on Coros and Coros doesn't have its own site type of thing. So it just uploads to Strava. So, you know, I guess, I guess there's another benefit. You want to see what I'm doing. You have to join Strava, but, uh, you know, join the party. Don't join the party. Like, like whatever, you know, I mean, it's, it's all personal preference. It's like, you know, what are the benefits or drawbacks of, of Facebook versus Twitter? Like, I don't know. I mean, they're different. But like they're both social media, you know. You can make an argument they're both a waste of time, or they can be make an argument they're both awesome ways to connect with people. I mean, it's the same type of thing. Like, if you want to be more social with your running from people around the world, Strava is a great place. Like, Strava is probably the place. You don't really care about connecting with people from all around the world, then you know, take it, leave it, whatever. Uh, next question, last question from Tom uh, Brax Candy Company recently announced a new candy. I can't even believe I'm reading this question. This is, this is absurd, absurd, ridiculous, whatever adjective you want to use. That's what this is. The new flavor, Thanksgiving dinner flavored candy corn. 
Would you use this concoction as a nutritional supplement during a long run? Like, <laughs> seriously? No, there is a, there is a, there is a 0.0% chance that I would use Thanksgiving dinner flavored candy corn for anything. Well, no, not for anything. I would throw it at people, I guess. Like, you know, if I wanted to like torment the dog or, you know, if Addison's not paying attention, like maybe wing one at her once in a while. Um, but my God, like who, whoever thought of the philosophy, like, Hey, you know, I got an idea, you know, sitting around the, the, the candy headquarters. Like I got an, I got an idea. Um, you know, candy corn is already terrible as it is. Let's make it worse by making Thanksgiving dinner flavored candy corn. Like that person needs to be like, I don't know, have their head examined. I'm not, I'm not one to advocate for people losing their jobs, but like, I mean, that's, that's what you're bringing to the company is let's do with, let's do, let's do Thanksgiving flavored candy corn. But what's worse is that the higher ups were like, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's run with this can't th- this Thanksgiving Day flavor. Like, who wants turkey and gravy flavored? Can- like, ugh. come on, man. No, Tom, I'm not using that for long. Run. I'm not using that for. I, I would. I mean, I would not take either of these, but I would probably take a gel down before I would use Thanksgiving flavored candy corn. Like, ugh, Thanksgiving candy corn. Absurd. No, thank you, sir. No, thank you at all. Next question. Liz chiming in here with a, with a, with another more technical question than Thanksgiving day, uh, feast candy corn. How important is it to kick the back foot up when running? You know, like the fast people in the elites do. Um, this is a tricky question to answer because it's kind of, it's like kind of, you know, one of those that would help with a visual and, uh, we clearly don't have a visual right here. So it's, it's a little bit tricky. Um, because for the most part, Every once in a while, it'll happen, especially when like a finishing kick, something like that. But for the most part, especially when we talk about endurance athletes, like they don't kick their foot back up that far. Um, at least as I would define kicking it back up. So, so, and this is where, you know, you're like, what's your, it depends on what your definition of is, is, um, you know, when you're talking about kicking the foot back up, what are, what are we talking about here? So, um, what I'm thinking when I read the question, Liz is that, you know, kick the foot back up. So like bringing the heel up high, closer to the, to the glutes, you know, like trying to, to do like a butt kick with your heel type of situation. And that's not important at all. In fact, that's, that's detrimental. That's wasted. It's inefficiency, inefficiency at its finest of like bending, you know, like super, you know, flexion of the knee, uh, bringing your heel up towards your, your, your took us. All right. That's, that's not a beneficial movement, but wh- why you, I'm assuming what, what you're seeing and maybe what you're asking about that I'm misreading the question is like, how come when you look at an elite runner, their foot seems to be so far back behind them. And that's because when it comes to, again, trying to be efficient, right? Anything that happens out in front of you when you're running, as far as your foot landing out in front of you or wasted motion out in front of you, like that's all inefficiency. That's all wasted, wasted movement, wasted energy. Right, you start landing with your foot out in front of you. You know the reason we talk about midfoot strike, which really is is more focused on where your foot's landing. Like it's impossible to land with a midfoot strike with your foot out in front of you. Um, just just the, the way physics and 
biomechanics work. Like it's not a possibility, um, but it's very possible to, to heel strike when your foot's out in front of you. But the reason we don't want to do that is when you're landing with your foot out in front of you, like it's, there's like a deceleration force when your foot contacts the ground, you're trying to run forward. This foot, this, this brake is hitting in front of you versus if you land with your foot, land with your foot underneath you, whether it's midfoot, forefoot, or even whether your heel's striking first, if it's underneath your body, or at least as close to your center of mass as possible, like there's, there's not that deceleration force. It just kind of rolls into the next stride. Um, so all that to say where we generate our power, especially when we're driving from the glutes is by keeping that foot on the ground and really pushing as far back as possible behind us. So extending the hip, which means you're, you're kind of reaching your foot back behind you. Um, so you don't want to have your foot on the ground super, super long, but when you're having a high turnover, the longer your foot's in the, on the ground and pressing the farther back behind you, the more it's driving you forward. And that's what the elites do very well is they, they maximize their, their stride length by driving themselves forward with a, with an extended hip. So they're firing their glutes. They're reaching their foot back behind them while it's maintaining contact on the ground. And then because their foot, their, their hip is extended so far back, it might look like their, their foot's kicking up a little bit. Of course they bend their knee a little bit, which is going to make it look even more so to, to begin the, the, the swing forward to put their foot down and do it again. So it's not that you need to kick back up towards your glutes. It's needed that we need to work on all of us need to work on engaging our glutes more and, stretching our hip flexors, which then go hand in hand in helping us to extend our foot back behind us, slight bend in the knee, swinging the hip, uh, swinging the leg forward again with the knee bent so that it lands back in back beneath our center of gravity and push forward. Another, another reason that it might look like the, the foot extends far back behind us is again, if you look at the elites, they don't run straight up. Like as in, they're not standing straight up when they run, they're all leaning forward. All right. And again, you look at biomechanics, you look at like chi running, things like that. You know, the farther forward you're leaning, while while they still might be straight from their their hips, you know, they're not like hunched forward at the at the hips. They're leaning forward like onto the balls of their toes. They're leaning forward at their ankles. So their their natural uh, range of motion. Say say your hip has you know whatever 180 degrees, which probably doesn't have 180 degrees. But let's say let's say it has 180 degrees of of motion between flexing the, the hip up in front of you, extending it back out behind you. All right, you got 180 degrees of of motion or whatever. I think it might be 120 might be more accurate, but whatever. Let's not, let's not split hairs here. If you lean forward, you still have 120 to 180 degrees of motion, but you're, you're changing the plane that you're in, right? You're leaning farther forward. So you're able to get, instead of, you know, if you're standing up vertical, you might only have, you know, 20 degrees of motion of hip extension behind you. But if you're leaning, tilting your whole body forward, you're still only getting 20 degrees from the hip, but that that 20 degrees is turning into whatever is it turning into 40 degrees, 50 degrees from perpendicular, which again, I mean, it just kind of takes, it, it would be helpful maybe to have some demonstrations to, to some, some visuals to demonstrate this, but hopefully if you can kind of visualize somebody standing straight up versus leaning forward, extending their hip farther back, they're going to get more ground contact time. It's going to look like it's swinging higher than it actually is just because of that change in uh, orientation, if you will, or changing in, in the lean that you have when you're running. So another technical question with a technical answer that probably hopefully is somewhat makes sense, probably is, is as confusing as it, as it could be. Um, but that's what we need to focus on. Not kicking the leg up behind us, but extending the hip farther back to drive ourselves forward, which is all about engaging glutes, 
good form, all that lean, forward lean, which is good form, um, and not landing with your foot out in front of you. So hope all that makes sense, Liz, and hopefully that kind of gives you a, the right visual to kind of, you know, I, I, I know that we've had several questions the last, well, not several, but questions the last several months kind of about engaging the hips and, and doing these types of things, engaging the glutes. Hopefully that kind of helps to continue that, that puzzle that you're working on putting together for yourself. And obviously if you have more questions, let me know. Just a couple more questions now. Look at us. We're going to be done in like less than two hours. Might be done in less than an hour. We're not going to be done in less than an hour. But we're, getting, we're close. We're not going to be dramatically over an hour this week or this month for a change. Uh, next question comes from Maya. Seems like every Saturday when I venture out for my long run, after about eight miles, I start to develop a stitch on my right side. I always slow things down to keep the pain at bay. But annoyingly, it sticks around for at least a couple of miles before subsiding. Anything else, anything else that I can do to combat this? Um Maybe, maybe Maya, um, the thing about stitches is they're super, obviously they're super painful. They're super frustrating. And we don't exactly know what causes them. Like we know what they are. A proper stitch is a spasm of the diaphragm. So it's like, it's like a, 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 you know, a Charlie horse, if you will, in your diaphragm, which kind of sucks because your diaphragm is kind of important for breathing, right? Like every time you you breathe in your diaphragm relaxes, you exhale, it contracts and and shrinks up and and helps to force the the oxygen and the, the, just the gas itself, the oxygen, the carbon dioxide, the nitrogen, everything in the, in the air back out of your lungs. Well, you know, if you're breathing hard and you catch one of these stitches, like it hurts to breathe. So you can't just kind of keep breathing hard and keep running hard. You got to slow down and try to allow things to relax. Um, so we know what it is, but, but what causes it? I mean, I, I don't know. Like there's, there's a bunch of different theories out there, but nobody knows exactly what it is. Um, one thing that I would suggest that, that to me makes the most sense. Um, I don't know that it makes sense in, in your situation, but maybe I'll put it out there. Maya, you can, you can take it or leave it. Um, but one thing I was, I was noticing when I was kind of doing a little bit of research on this one, because I was like, gosh, I want to, want to try to give a, a good answer here, but I, I don't think there's much you can do. I still don't think there's much that you necessarily can do, but it's worth, worth a shot. Um, talking about like core strength and core stability because our diaphragm is connected to our rib cage as part of our core. Um, if your core strength, core stability is a little bit lacking, it can really like all of a sudden your diaphragm is asked to do more. And so you get out there for a certain amount of miles, you know, you're running, uh, these longer runs, you're breathing heavy. And if that, if that core, if, if your abs, if your obliques, if your lower back muscles, if they're not doing their job to help stabilize the core, your diaphragm might be working a little bit overtime to try to do that while it's also trying to breathe hard and it's just asking too much and it, it spasms. You catch that stitch. Um, so maybe try working a little bit more core work in. Um, if it happened right away, I would say maybe try to work a little bit stronger with your, with your warm up, get a little bit more of a, of a, of a quality warm up in. But if it's not, not till eight miles, it's not, you're warm by then. So it's not that, um, and that's like another thing that they, they suggest that maybe is, is part of it. Um, but it's, 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 it's tricky. Nobody really knows what causes a stitch. Um, yes. Calming down, allowing your, your breathing to, to relax, you know, run a little bit slower. So your breathing is, uh, um, more, more relaxed, more under control. Like that's going to help it to, to relax. You know, maybe going back to, to Rob's question about nose breathing, maybe try to, to breathe deeper through your nose a little bit more. And, and that really is going to work your diaphragm through a fuller range of motion. Maybe that would help. I don't know if you're breathing mostly through your mouth, um, when you, when you're running, but maybe that would help, you know, that might be something to try, try to do. Um, but it's, it's, it's like, Figuring out what's going on with the, with the side stitch is kind of like playing whack-a-mole. Like you know, you think you got it and it pops up here and like, you never know. And I mean, I've, I've seen athletes, like, I mean, I, when I was at middle Tennessee state, we had a, a really good men's cross country team. Like we were, we were in position to win the conference conference title at, at the conference meet. And, um, 
one of our, not like our number one, but like our number, our solid, like number two, number three guy, uh, was running, having a great race. I mean, he was fit, he was strong. Um, and all of a sudden just, it just spasmed just, I mean, like he caught a stitch, like he went down, like he could, but I mean, you know, like these guys are running so hard. Um, and he just, he like couldn't breathe. And of course, like once he like, once kind of some of that adrenaline died down and he was able to catch like, he was fine. He was totally fine. But for like three minutes there, like he was really struggling and lots of pain. Um, I mean, he was never like not breathing, breathing, but there's no way he could keep running. Um, and like, he never had an issue before, never had any problems. It's probably just a little bit of kind of like stress, race anxiety, um, you know, like really pushing himself hard because like it was, a, we had a pretty competitive conference for a mid-major. Uh, so like he was working hard. Um, and I think it was just kind of a combination of factors. Never had an issue again. You know, I mean, never had an issue in, in the track season uh, and some of the other stuff that he was doing. It was just that one day, it just leapt out of nowhere and got him. And so, you know, if it's always happening to you just about every long run, then there's got to be some type of trigger there. There's got to be something that's, that's routine that wasn't, you know, in, in, in that particular athlete's case. Um, but trying to identify it, I don't know. I don't know. Try the nose breathing. Try working maybe a little bit of core, a little bit more core stuff. Although I feel like you do a, a pretty decent job of that from working with you and, and kind of knowing some of the, the workouts that you do. Uh, but if, if maybe that has kind of slacked a little bit this summer, might try to, you know, mix a couple planks back into the, into the mix, uh, do a little bit of bridging and some, some, uh, you know, some, some side crunches, things like that, and see if that doesn't help. Um, hopefully it does. Hopefully it does. Uh, keep us posted. Obviously keep me posted. And, and now that I know this is going on, well, I'm going to keep asking you questions about it too, Maya. So, you know, be careful what you ask for on these Q and A's cause it might, uh, it might filter into your, uh, your daily, your daily life as well when uh, we're doing our check-ins, but uh, thank you for the question. Hopefully it helps you, Maya. Hopefully it helps somebody else as well. Um, Next question comes from Thessaly, and she even says, you don't have to read the context-giving novel at the beginning of the question, uh, so just get to the question. So I, I was debating about whether to read it or not. Um, what the heck? I'm going to read it. Thessaly, you wrote it. I'm reading it. It's been about five months, give or take, depending on where you live, uh, since COVID took over here in America. Looking back in the last few months, I'm so grateful that I didn't listen to my lazy side of my brain and say, oh, I'll just take a break from running until the gym opens again. I would have had to wait for several months rather than the initially planned couple of weeks, which isn't that kind of been a surprise for all of us. We thought this was going to be over by, you know, by, over by Easter, over by the, the by, by Memorial Day, over by the 4th of July, and that's eh, still going on. Uh, but anyway, uh, I adapted to the situation and kept running because it helps me to be better in all areas of my life. So my question for you is, how does running make you a better person, entrepreneur, worker, etc.? So I've said before, once or twice, that running makes me a better person. And I, I believe that to be true. I believe it's a difficult thing to kind of quantify, uh, but I'll give it my best. I'll give it, I'll give it a shot here, uh, Thessaly. Thank you for the question. Uh, running makes me better because in, in, in a large part, like it does for a lot of us, right? It gives me that alone time. It gives me a little bit of time by myself. Um, and as, as a, a deeply, deeply introvert, and you, y'all might not realize this from, you know, listening to me yammer on on here and do some of the stuff I do on social media, things like that. Uh, but I am an introvert's introvert, like massive introvert. Um, and so, you know, for most of my runs, I'm running solo or I'm running with the dog, which might as well be solo. Um, so, so that gives me some of that time by myself time to just kind of, you know, I can, li- I'm typically listening to a podcast, but sometimes I'm not listening to anything. Sometimes I'm listening to music. I it's, but it's just me time. Right. And so, you know, as, as an introvert, like that's how I get recharged. That's how I feel better about just kind of life in general. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's a big key to it. 
uh, obviously, again, like a lot of us, it helps me process stuff. It helps me to, to kind of work through some struggles, to maybe think some things out, flesh out, you know, what's, what's going on in, in life stuff, work stuff. You know, I don't know how many times that I've, you know, a lot of times kind of jumbling all over here, but you know, a lot of times I'm listening to like business informational type of podcast when I run. And so there'll be times that I'm out running and I hear something on, on the, the business, the entrepreneur podcast or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, and then I like, I keep listening to the podcast, but I'm really not, it's just like background noise now. So I'm like trying to kind of work this idea into what I do. You know, is it something I can do for the podcast or something I can do for promoting the show more or promote myself on social media or being, being, you know, writing better content or whatever it is. You're right. Like, like I, so I'm brainstorming, I'm thinking about things while I'm running because it's, it's again, it's like, I, I can't do anything else. I can't be distracted by social media or by what's going on at home or by responding to emails or recording. Like I'm out running. So I'm able to think things through. Obviously that works in personal life as well of, you know, just, uh, not that, not that we have too many drag out, drag them down, beat them up, uh, you know, fights in our house. Uh, but every once in a while, like you just need to, to process something that goes on in between the marriage or between, as, as a father or whatever. I can do that while I'm out running. Um, you know, I think it, I think it helps me be more patient. Um, whether it's just, whether it's the running itself or whether it's just the working out, uh, just kind of, you know, the, 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 the hormones and the, 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 you know, stress release and things like that, that, uh, you know, as, as I've kind of joked before, if I don't run for a handful of days, like Rebecca will just tell me to go out and go for a run. Uh, but that's because I get a little bit more irritable, a little bit grumpier, a little bit, uh, short, a little bit more short tempered. Um, I like to think I'm not very short tempered anyway, but it, it gets a little bit short, it gets a little bit shorter, more, more likely to blow up at Addison for something that, that I would shouldn't blow up about. Um, so I go for a run, I come back and like, like, you know, stuff just kind of rolls off my back, like, like water off a duck's back a little bit more, uh, when I'm running regularly, when I'm getting those workouts in on a regular basis. So, you know, it helps me to be, be calmer, be more patient, um, be less irritable. I think those all things kind of help me make it, help me be a better person. Obviously there's health benefits. There's, there's the, uh, uh, you know, just the feeling of personal accomplishment when I go out and get runs in, especially when I'm seeing progress on race days or on math tests, things like that, that helps me just be, feel happier about myself, which and that translates to me being a better, better coach, better husband, better father, all those types of things. Um, so, I mean, there's so many layers to it. Uh, probably similar like there is for you, probably like the similar is to, to a lot of folks listening where it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a regular part of my routine. And, 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 and as I've said before, my routine's important to me. Like I, I work so much better when I'm in my routine. And even if everything else goes off my run, like, you know, here, here's another story. Don't tell Rebecca this one either. Um, but a lot of times, like, like if we go to her parents' house, um, which I love her parents. Her parents are, are great folks. They're, they're great grandparents to, to Addison. They're, they're a great mother and father-in-law. Like I love them. I love them. But when we go to their house, like, I don't know the best how to describe, but something's just not quite right. And I'm a little bit on edge. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit more, I, I'm not as good of a person. You know, I'm a little bit more huffy, a little bit more isolationist, uh, a little bit more just like, like, like the little things that, that people do, little mannerisms that maybe shouldn't, that definitely shouldn't bother me. Just like, I'm just like, ugh, ugh. like, like. It's, it's not something I'm super proud of. Not something I'm even a little bit proud of, but it, but it's true. Right. And, and what sometimes happens is we'll only go there for like a night, you know, we'll go there, we'll go there on a Saturday, Saturday morning. So I'm kind of grumpus, just pissy pants all day Saturday, uh, to the point where Rebecca would be like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing like, ugh, just, ugh. and then if we leave Sunday morning, like I don't get my run and it's just kind of grumpy the whole time. But if we go there for a few days, so what I'm trying to get to here, that first day, 
I'm off. But the next morning, I go for a run. And lo and behold, like, even though I'm still out of my total routine, that run stabilizes me. Like, it's like, it's like the, the thing that gets all the static out, right? And all of a sudden, like, like all the little isms that go on between Rebecca and her dad, uh, some of the things that they, that they say, or, you know, just, and not that they're saying anything controversial, but just the little things that like irritate me a little bit the first night there, they're not, they're not factors anymore. Like whatever, I'm laughing, I'm talking more, like I'm engaged in the conversations that first night. Nope. Want nothing to do with anybody. Cause I'm just out of my routine. I'm out of my element. So there's another example of how running makes me a better person. Like it just, it just neutral. It just stabilizes me. You know, when I'm, when I'm in a, in a situation that's out of my normal routine or out of my normal environment, as soon as I can go for a run, man, it makes everything a little bit better. Just, it just, <sighs> so hopefully that, that helps a little bit, or at least answers your question a little bit. Um, I need my runs. I need my runs for a lot of reasons and being a decent human being is maybe the most important reason that I need to run on a regular basis. Um, and would that, would that happen? Would, would that scratch the itch if it was, if it was riding a bike or swimming or doing CrossFit? Like, I don't know. Maybe if I'm ever in a position where I'm not able to run due to an injury or something like that, you better believe I'm going to be trying to scratch the itch somehow else. But right now running works, running works for me. It makes me a, a decent, at least a decent human being to be around somebody who's Rebecca still continues to put up with me. So it must be, must be all right. Um, y'all keep putting up with me. So it must be, must, must, I mean, not that you're super, uh, engaged in my life on a day-to-day basis, but you know, I mean, you, you keep coming back for more. So hopefully running is helping me be somebody that you want to come back for more with. So, uh, that's, that's how running makes me a better person. Now, obviously better person that translates into being a better entrepreneur, getting, be more, uh, you know, focused on work, getting stuff done in a timely fashion, being a better dad, being a better husband. Those two more important than being a better, uh, business owner or, or whatever. Um, Running is pretty important to me in case, in case you haven't been able to tell. So thank you for the, uh, the question, Thessaly, and thanks for the novel leading into it. And, uh, sorry that I read it for you, but you know, you typed it. I had to, I had to read it, but uh, thanks for the question, ma'am. Uh, next two more going, and these should, should both be quick. I think, uh, that barely got in. I almost recorded this yesterday. Um, which not that this matters to you, but I almost recorded this yesterday and these questions wouldn't have been included. But since I re- put it off for one more day, we got two last questions in before the, uh, you know, in before the, the, uh, the door got slammed on the questions this month. Uh, and one's from Melody, of course. Like, we can't have a and a without Melody getting at least one question in. Oh, hey, I have a question. She says, do you remember your goal to learn how to play the guitar? Of course I remember. Of course. Of course. Uh, when are we going to, uh, to hear your concert doing all the Dave Matthews Band covers? You wanted to work on your YouTube channel. This would be a perfect, uh, this would be perfect. You can do demonstrations for the Lunge Matrix and sing on your YouTube channel. I can't wait. So yeah, Melody, you, you better wait. You better wait, girl, because it ain't coming anytime soon. Um, so those that, that aren't aware, uh, two years ago, well, almost two years ago, uh, December of 2019, uh, Santa Diz came to town, which is uh, basically me just saying, like, I buy my own Christmas presents. Because um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't really do gift exchanges for adults in our family, which is awesome, by the way. Highly recommend, 10 out of 10 recommend, uh, just saying, hey, we'll give presents to the kids, the nieces, the nephews. Obviously, Addison gets presents from mom and dad, but you know, we don't really give presents to Rebecca and I to, our, to each other. Uh, we don't do presents to uh, grandparents, to you know, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, things like that. Like, nope, it's all about the kids at Christmas time, which means that Santa Diz can just be all about what does Diz want for Christmas. And uh, 2019, I got myself a guitar. Or actually, I'm sorry, Christmas of 2018, so the start of 2019, got myself a, a guitar 
for Christmas. Going to learn how to play. Never played guitar, but I dabbled here and there, but never really could, could play the guitar. Certainly, certainly would not say that I was a guitar player before that. Don't know that I would still say I'm a guitar player by now. But the goal was within one year to learn how to play one Dave Matthews song so I could like play along with them on, you know, with the band on YouTube or put a CD in or whatever. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, I'm still playing the guitar just about every day. Not for like hours, not even for like halves of hours, but you know, 10, 15 minutes a day, most days, maybe not every day, but, but probably three quarters of the day in a year I'm, I'm playing the guitar. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm up to probably like, like that I can legit play along with, um, probably three or four songs that like legit full speed, like no problem. I can't sing while also playing yet. Like that, that part of my brain hasn't connected as far as being able to hit the notes, play the, play the stuff, strum along and also sing. Like I might get a word out here and there, but like, I can't, I can't sing and play yet. Not there. Uh, but I can like legit play probably three or four songs. I can play you and me. No problem. Well, you, that might be the, the one of the roughest, rougher ones, but pretty good. I can play you and me pretty good. Play Halloween. No problem. Play pig pretty well. Actually play pig pretty much. No problem as well. Um, those are like the three that I'm best at. Uh, pretty good with last stop started playing just started playing don't drink the water uh last week and uh, already pretty good there um sometimes he gets a little crazy with don't drink i can't do all the crazy stuff but like just the basic i can play along uh pretty good there so you know whatever ha- handful of songs also kind of dabbling with every day got they got that one coming along a little bit two step just started picking up that one a little bit um what else what else can we play I mean, those are, those are the big ones. I dabbled with Ants Martian. That one's, that one's too much for me right now. Uh, but, but we're good. We're good. I can play them. You're not going to see them though. Like, like I'm not playing them for YouTube, I'm not playing them for, for you clowns, you clowns and YouTube. Um, yeah, this is, this is just for me. This is something I do for me for, for fun. Maybe someday I'll give you a little glimpse here and there, but it's going to be unexpected. It's going to come out of nowhere. Um, and it's probably not going to be me singing, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I remember it. And, uh, I can, I can, I'm getting better. My goal for, for, for in case you're wondering for this year, um, which I'm not going to probably get there this year. I, I recognize that, but my goal for, for, you know, by the end of which, which only started like the middle of the year. Um, but I would like to be able to play the entire, um, before these crowded streets album from front to back. I can play like three of the songs ish right now. Um, that's where, uh, that's where pig don't drink the water and, uh, Halloween and last stop. Did I mention that I can play last stop as well? Um, those ones are all on that. So I can play four of the, whatever, 12 songs on there. Um, I could, I could f- screw my way through playing with the CD right now with those four songs. Like, like you're not going to think I'm not Dave Matthews. Uh, I mean, you know, you think about it. He's been, he's been playing the guitar probably as long as I've been alive or just about as long as I've been alive. He's been playing the guitar. I've been playing for whatever, 20 months. So I've got some work to do to, to, you know, keep learning. Um, but I'm having fun with it. I'm enjoy it. Uh, it gives me something to do, um, throughout the day. Um, proudest monkey. I can play that too. Did I mention that one? Like that's an, that's an easy song to play. Uh, maybe the easiest of the songs to play. I can, I can rock out on that one. Like n- no problem. Still can't sing with it though. Like it's weird, but I can't. Um, but anyway, all that to say, don't hold your breath. Cause there's, there's no, there's no Denny plays, plays Dave's hits concert coming anytime soon. Uh, sorry to disappoint, but you'll get over it. Um, <laughs> uh, but thank you for the question, Melody. Glad you could, glad you could jump into this month's Q and a and be part of it. And I'm sure next month you'll give me like 47 questions. So I'll be, I'll be ready for you. I'll be ready for you. And last but not least, Chris from uh, Georgia asks, uh, how's the book coming along? Interesting. You ask kind sir. Um, it's not coming along right now. I uh, haven't done anything with it. Probably. I don't know. In 
I don't know if I've done anything for it this year. Certainly I've done anything for it since quarantine, since all the COVID-19 stuff happened because like, you know, just, you know, talk about being a creature routine and that just throwing the routine all kinds of off. Um, so that hasn't, hasn't happened at all. Nothing. I don't even remember what all I've written in it, but, uh, you know, I mean, I've started, you know, in, in case you're not aware, I'm working on book number two, but I haven't been working on book number two in a long time, but marathons and metaphors is going to be a thing. And there's actually a plan in place. Well, maybe not in place. There's a loose plan to start getting back after it. Um, as early as next week, as early as next week. So, uh, stay tuned. There may be some more updates on progress for marathons and metaphors sooner than you might think. But as of right now, how's the book coming along? It is not coming along my friend, but it will be soon. It will be soon. So thank you for, uh, the uh, little nudge, the little reminder. I can confidently say that I had this plan was in place before your question, but hopefully, you know, maybe somebody can ask this question again next month and give a better update that, uh, Hey, you know, yeah, in the last month I've written, you know, whatever, 10,000 words or something like that. That would be a, that'd be a lovely update to give next week. So Chris, I'm counting on you. Ask me again in one month from now for the next episode of listener Q and a, how the book's coming along. And hopefully not hopefully, I will have a better answer for you. So that is it for today. And look at us coming in an hour and whatever, 15, 16 minutes, something like that. By the time I finish rambling here, we can handle that. We can handle that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you can handle me just going on and on about various nonsense and hopefully a little bit of useful bit in there as well. So thanks everybody who left the qu- left questions this month. Uh, once again, if you, if you're not part of the Facebook group, this is some of the shenanigans you're missing out on is getting able to ask, ask me questions about how my guitar playing is going, running form, nose breathing, all the things get in the group, get your questions asked. They will get answered in next month's Q and a episode. Uh, disruns.com slash Facebook is a link. Also just search for the disruns tribe. There's like three or four disruns things. If you search for them on Facebook, uh, the tribe is like kind of the, the, the group for everybody. Uh, you asked to, to, you know, join the party. We'll let you in. Uh, and then you can kind of see the rules, which are pretty loosey goosey, but just basically, you know, don't be a douche and you can hang out for as long as you want. Hopefully get a lot of information, make some friends, all that kind of good stuff disruns.com slash Facebook. So uh, with that, once one quick thing before we wrap up, let me know what you thought about the episode. What was your favorite question? What was your favorite answer? What did you like? What did you not like? At Disruns on Twitter, at Disruns on Instagram, disruns.com, not disruns.com. Well, actually, yeah, disruns.com slash 869 is a link for the show notes. Got some memes, got some gifs. As per usual, I spent more, too much time putting the show notes together since most of you clowns will never go there and look at it but uh, it makes me it makes me laugh a little bit so i guess it's time well spent uh and uh if you want to send an email disruns at gmail.com is a link for an email uh always love to hear from you guys on social media interacting sending emails commenting questioning um you know y'all hear all my stuff all the time i love to hear your stuff once in a while too so don't be afraid to to engage in a conversation on in facebook or social media whatever i appreciate all that stuff and uh until next time y'all please be well take care uh, hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, tell a friend. And uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, y'all, take care of yourselves, all right? See you guys. <laughs>